We're in week two of the choice, and I'm so glad that you're here this morning. We're excited about what God has for us in our message today, and we're going to actually be in the book of Judges, so if you have your Bibles, you can kind of head that way. Last Sunday, we started our spring campaign, and it's really a great time for you to get involved. Our, our morning series uh, is called The Choice, and our small group series is called Not a Fan, and I hope you'll be a part of both. If you need to know how to hook up with a small group, Pastor Cole will be in the lobby after the service to help you with that. The first choice we dealt with last Sunday was fan or follower. Yeah, today we'll be talking about another important, uh, another important choice, my strength or his strength. Our text for the day is in Judges chapter 16. Judges chapter 16. I want to piggyback what Pastor Cole said and thank everybody uh, who helped and participated in this year's carnival and auction for school and daycare ministries. And what a wonderful evening it was, and the preparation uh, was months and months in advance. And we had so many people who helped, uh, who volunteered, and our paid staff did a wonderful job as well. And we're just so thankful for all of you who participated by uh, praying, by donating, by buying items, by uh, giving. Yeah, I believe it's going to be our most successful event ever. Uh, we don't even have rough numbers yet, but as soon as we do, we'll let you know. And yeah, keep praying for our gym construction. It's about 60 days from occupancy, and then we'll have to go in and put in a gym floor and basketball hoops. And thank you for those who've already committed to giving toward that uh, finishing and furnishing. And if you'd like to be a part of that, uh, certainly, if God lays that on your heart, I hope you will be. Judges chapter 16, and we're going to read the part of the life story of the strongest man who ever lived, Mr. Sampson. Not Mr. Sampsonite, Mr. Sampson. And uh, so here we are in Judges chapter 16, and uh, some of you maybe already know the story of Sampson, and some of you women right now are really disheartened because there's a man who told you he was the strongest man who ever lived. And now I've blown it all apart by telling you that this guy was. So Judges chapter 16, verse number 15. And she said unto him, How canst thou say I love thee when thine heart is not with me? Thou hast mocked me these three times and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all his heart and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once. For he has showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand. And she made him sleep upon her knees. And she called for a man. And she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him. And his strength went from him. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass. And he did grind in the prison house. 
Howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. Yeah, today we're talking about such an important choice. Uh, you know, the life story of Samson is a remarkable picture of the conflict that each of us face between self-reliance and spirit reliance. And there are really choices we make every day that shape the future of our lives. And often we feel like our choices are these little isolated bubbles of time that don't connect with anything. But that's absolutely not so. Our choices connect into habits that turn into character, that turns into a lifestyle. And tiny choices eventually become the destination of your entire life path. Samson repeatedly made what seemed like small choices, but they shaped his entire destiny. And uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, relying on ourselves or relying on God. The notes are provided in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. And the title of our message today is My Strength or His Strength. And let's talk a little bit about Samson here as we get going. Let's address, first of all, this topic, breaking all the rules. Breaking all the rules. Now, God had already given the Ten Commandments, and uh, when it comes right down to it, most of us in here at one time or another have broken just about every one of the Ten Commandments, right? Uh, I know that uh, you don't think you have, but if we got down and the rubber met the road, how many of you have never told a lie before? Okay, so that's uh, you broke that one for sure. Uh, some of you have coveted. All right, maybe you coveted a cheeseburger or an ice cream sandwich or your neighbor's wife. I mean, it's just all there in the Bible. Uh, Jesus said, if you look after a man or look after a woman and have lust in your heart, that's adultery. So that breaks the seventh commandment. We've broken really just about all of them. Samson, he had on top of the Ten Commandments another special set of rules. He was born under a commitment that his parents had made uh, because God had instructed them to do this. And they made this commitment to Jehovah. He was what was supposed to be called a Nazarite. He made a Nazarite vow. And let me give you the basic rules of the Nazarite vow, okay? Uh, rule number one, don't drink of the fruit of the vine. Okay, that's rule number one. Uh, don't touch anything dead. That's number two. And number three, don't ever, 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 ever cut your hair. Okay, those are the three rules of the Nazarite vow. So this isn't rocket science. Yeah, but what does Mr. Strong do? Well, he blew past every single stop sign that was part of his Nazarite vow. Samson did what men often do, exactly what he wanted. Right? And the world's strongest man found it impossible to regulate his behavior under his own power. By the way, I don't care what self-help book you read. I don't care what seminar you attend. If you try to regulate your behavior in your own power, you can't do it. It's impossible. Uh, we can try our best to turn over a new leaf, but we still have inside of us this person who is against God, this person who is a sinner by nature and a sinner by choice. And I want you to go back with me to Judges chapter 14. And we find God's chosen man 
yeah, Judges 14, deciding to marry the girl that God had forbidden him to marry. Now, who in his right mind will want to go and do the opposite of what God tells them? But that's often what we do. So Judges 14. Number one, and Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me to wife. That's the way it worked back then, right? Can you imagine this? There's still guys who are at their house right now with mom and dad, and they've got some website that match make or match up or uh, hooked on phonics, whatever is it, what's it called? <laughs> Hook up central, not hooked on phonics. That's an old thing. Uh, what's, the, what's the big one where it's supposed to really work good? Farmers only. <laughs> Farmers only. Uh, what is it? Huh? Match.com? eHarmony, that's the one I'm trying to think of. Some of you just embarrassed yourselves because you said websites that nobody else was thinking. But, uh, but eHarmony, and uh, there's guys right now sitting at the computer and saying, Mom and Dad, get her for me. Right? As Samson did. Go get her. And his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren among all my people that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? Samson said unto his father, get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. Now, if you want a summary of the carnal mind, that's it. Right? Get it for me, it pleases me. Right? And it starts early, early on. You don't ever have to teach a two-year-old this principle. Right? And nobody has to be taught this principle. I want this, give it to me. And Samson, I'm telling you, the big guy, he was dead set on marrying outside of the tribes of Israel. And we find in verse 4 that God would allow even Samson's bad choice in this to be used for his glory. His father and mother knew not that it was of the Lord. And so God can use even our bad choices for his glory. And God would allow this relationship to drive a wedge between Samson and the Philistines. And Samson became a lifelong enemy of the Philistines. Now, let's see how Samson obliterated rule number one. All right, verse five. Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnath and came to, ding, 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 the vineyards of Timnath. Does everybody remember rule number one? Don't do anything with grapes. Where did Samson go? To hang out in a vineyard. Right? Now, this is how most people are, right? In fact, this is how all of us are. Uh, it's okay. I'll just look. Right? I won't get anything. I won't touch anything. I'm just going to look. I'm just going to hang out. And we get as close to the edge as we can, and eventually we fall. And Samson, he goes to a vineyard of all the things. Now, this gets better. So he's not supposed to have grapes, but he goes to a vineyard. Now, look at verse number 10. So his father went down into the woman, and Samson made there a feast, for so used the young men to do. Now, 
What this means is he threw a party. Okay, in Hebrew, the word is mishdef. And this wasn't a tea party, okay? Uh, this was a kegger. And, and his attitude was, I'm a strong guy. I can handle this. I want it. I deserve it. And handling the liquor and the vineyard is exactly what he did. He broke his vow. And maybe you've faced the same thing with a substance that has broken you down. Maybe substances aren't your thing. Maybe things are your thing. You have to have the latest model of everything, even if debt is eating you alive. Instead of enjoying your possessions, you start to feel like they own you. And maybe it's not things. Maybe it's sensuality. I'll just look at this one time. I can clear my internet history. Who's going to know? This will be the last time. I mean it. And, and so Samson blows through the stop sign number one. Don't drink wine. But back up to verse number eight. All right, look at this. And after a time, he returned to take her, the woman he wanted his wife, and he turned aside, look at this, to see the carcass of the lion. Do you guys remember rule number two? Don't touch anything dead. But Samson, of course, being the strongest man who ever lived, he's just going to look at it. Right? This is a dead lion right here. He's just going to look at it. It's not going to be a big deal. He's just going to look at it. And, and behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. And he took thereof in his hands and went on eating. And came to his father and mother and he gave them and they did eat. But he told not them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of a lion. Now, have you ever, uh, be honest with me, okay? You've ever been packaging food at your house and you drop a perfectly good piece of fruit, right, or a grape or whatever, and when you pick it up, you think, you know what? I know it touched the floor, but my wife won't know. My kid won't know. So because they don't know, it won't hurt them. If I took it, I would like be, oh, that one was on the floor. I probably shouldn't have it. But if I give it to somebody else, it's not a big deal. <laughs> Some of you are just lying again. Okay, You're just lying again. right? Uh, I know that this was the piece of meat that the fly landed on. But my wife doesn't know that. And because of that, it's a perfectly good piece of meat to her. It won't affect her psychologically. It will affect me psychologically because there was a fly on it. And so I'm going to give this one to her because I'm helpful. And so we turn it into this thing, right? So Samson, he reaches in to the dead body that he's not supposed to touch, touches the dead body, and then gives the stuff to his parents who sign him up for the Nazarite vow. And it's almost like he's saying, hey, have some of this honey. Thanks, mom and dad, for signing me up. Right? So he's got this rebellious streak. He's breaking all the rules. He's blowing through these stop signs. And uh, <clears throat> rule number two, he blows past it. We don't have to read in chapter 16 again how Samson ended up losing his hair because he thought he was strong enough to handle sin. Now, before we get too pious 
and we judge Samson too deeply. Isn't it true that any time you give your flesh a chance to do wrong, it runs straight towards sin country? And the, the Apostle Paul said, the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. And the things that I want to do, I end up not doing. And then I'll give you a quote from him. He said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And I'll tell you this, in our own strength, we always break the rules. Because we don't have the ability in ourselves to escape temptation. Listen to me, we're not mistakers in need of correction. We're sinners in need of a savior. All right? And we already dealt with the lying topic. How many things do you have to steal to be a thief? One thing, right? How many women does a man have to lust after to be an adulterer? One. How many times do you have to gossip to be a talebearer? That's the Bible word for gossip. And I'm telling you that Samson broke all the rules. But in our flesh, we're prone to do the same thing. And without God in our lives, we're messed up creatures without peace and without victory and without redemption. And I want to keep going now to Samson's uh, story a little further. Chapter 14, verse number 19. Okay, so he had married this woman. And uh, now it, uh, the, he had some things happen at the wedding party. Some guys ticked him off because they uh, played a joke on him and he didn't like it. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he went down to Ashkelon and slew 30 men of them, and took their spoil, and gave change of garments unto them which expounded the riddle. And his anger was kindled, and he went up to his father's house. But Samson's wife was given to his companion, whom he had used as his friend. So Samson got mad at his own wedding party, because they played a joke on him. And as a result, he went and killed 30 people. Right? Pretty intense, right? This was before gun control, by the way. This was before guns. He went and called, he went and killed 30 people. With Samson, you didn't need gun control or knife control. You needed fist control. And it's incredible. So he goes and he takes the clothing from these 30 guys and brings it to the guys he owed clothes to. And uh, I want to show you this second part of the message. Favored past understanding favored past understanding and you have to ask why would God continue to empower someone who had messed up so often someone who hadn't kept any of the rules and if we ask it about Samson we have to ask it about ourselves listen don't ever fall into the trap of thinking that you deserve God's grace. And don't ever think that you've done something so good that you deserve God's blessings or that God owes you some mercy. We're all unclean. We're all Samson's. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. Even the best fleshly works we do are called filthy rags before the holy God. Samson broke God's rules on marriage on alcohol, on touching unclean things. And then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Isn't that phenomenal? Right? 
he goes and he breaks this rule, he breaks this rule, and he breaks this rule. And then verse 19, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. That's not making a whole lot of good sense, is it? Let me explain it to you, Lucy. How many of you don't even know what that is? All right. Some of you need to go and do they have, is it on Netflix? I Love Lucy? It's on Netflix? No? Is it on YouTube? All right, so it's on YouTube. Confirm sighting of I Love Lucy. Um, make sure you watch like 10 different episodes. You kind of get a feel for this. But let me explain to you what's going on here. Uh, the last time that the Holy Spirit worked in your behalf, can I just tell you this? It wasn't because of you. It was because of him. There's never been a time ever when the Holy Spirit has worked in your favor because you were good. That's hard to, it's hard to fathom, right? You're thinking, Samson, he messed this up, he did this, then he went and killed some guys because he was ticked off, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. He's hateful. He's mean. He breaks the rules. He tricks his parents. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And God's power wasn't given to Samson because he deserved it. God's power was given to Samson so that God could be glorified. And so that God's big picture plan could be performed. And you say, so we can live however we want, still receive God's blessings? Yeah, I have to tell you, that is totally the wrong question to ask. Okay, well, We're going to talk in just a minute about presumptuously stepping on God's grace. It is not a wise thing to do. It wasn't wise for Samson, and it won't be for you. The better question is, could God empower a broken vessel like me for his glory? And the answer is clearly yes. By his grace, he will favor us, though we're completely undeserving. Completely undeserving. We don't deserve to be used by God. You say, Pastor... Are you preaching that it doesn't matter what kind of lifestyle we have? No, I'm not preaching that. Today's a message on who God can use. You know who God can use? Sinners. Because that's who we are. And if we start getting picky and choosy about who God can use, we've fallen into the trap of legalism. And we think that God's favor has come upon us because we're pretty good. We're better than she is. We're better than he is. My Bible app says I've done more days in a row than he has. God is going to bless me more. Don't fall into the legalism trap. That's what I'm saying. He was favored by God's grace. Now, I want to move further into this story because Samson's story just gets crazy, right? You think about stories that are crazy. Samson's story is crazy. Samson goes back to visit his wife. And he finds out that her daddy had given her away to another guy for money. Now, here's a hint to the people back in the prehistoric age. Don't tick off the world's strongest man. Right? It's a good, just a good hint. Samson, when he hears the news, he goes and catches 300 foxes. He ties them together in pairs and sets their tails on fire. 
and he runs them through the cornfields and the vineyards and the olive groves of the Philistines. Right? And this is better than any Hollywood movie. <laughs> That's just a story from the Bible. It's one story from the Bible. And you can just see him. He's grabbing foxes, right? And he's like the flash. He's so strong, he just run after a fox and grab it. He goes into their dens, he just grabs it, he ties all their tails together, and then he takes this big torch, just whoosh, 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 150 times, and there they go. They're off. Their tails are on fire. Wonder where that came from, huh? Liar? Right? That's where it came from. It came from Samson's story. They run through the standing corn of the Philistines. Uh, they destroy the vineyards. The olive trees are burnt down. And the Philistines are mad. They are ticked off. They did not take this kindly. He said, um, they said, you burn our field, we're going to burn something too. And they went and burnt Samson's wife and her father to the ground. And Samson's own people came to him and said, hey, don't you know the Philistines are in charge? Why would you do this to us? And his own tribe said, we're going to hand you over to the enemy. We won't hurt you ourselves, but we're going to hand you over to the enemy. Judges 15. Verse number 14. And when he came unto Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him. And the spirit of the Lord, there it is again, came mightily upon him. And the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that were burnt with fire. And his bands loosed from off his hands. And he found a new jawbone of an ass and put forth his hand and took it and slew a thousand men therewith. And Samson said, with the jawbone of an ass... Heaps upon heaps with the jaw of an ass have I slain a thousand men. And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking that he cast away the jawbone out of his hand and called that place Ramoth Lehi. And he was sore athirst and called on the Lord and said, Thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant, and now shall I die for thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? Let's talk about thirsty at the top. Thirsty at the top. I don't know if you've ever been thirsty. Like, really thirsty. Like, you're going to die if you didn't get a drink. Thirsty. Now, most of us, maybe it's happened once in our lives where we've been, felt like we're that thirsty, and we probably weren't even really that thirsty. Right? You picture the guy in the old John Wayne movie, crawling through the desert where he moves like because he's trying to get to the well and when he gets to the well, the well's dry and he's scooping at the water or, or is at the sand because there's nothing down there. My good friend Mark Keeney's here today and every time I see Mark, I think of this story. Mark was, uh, we, Amy and I uh, were in a church plant in Boise for eight and a half years, and, and Mark and his family were there, and such good folks, and uh, one Sunday, I'd worked so hard on this message uh, about the desert, and it was about salt, how important salt is in the desert, and so I get up, and I begin the message, and I'm like, 
Because I, all, I've, all I'm thinking about is salt, desert salt, salt desert. They, they have tribes and caravans that go salt, uh, get the salt, and they mine it. I was going to tell this whole story about it. And so I asked this rhetorical question. I said, uh, what's the most important thing in the desert? It's a rhetorical question. It's from me, right? And Mark's sitting in the back, and he goes, water. <laughs> and it totally blew everything apart. Like, my talk was going to be on salt. And I had missed, totally in my mind, I had missed the obvious water answer. So I asked the completely wrong rhetorical question, and Mark had no idea. And so he just answered the obvious, water. <laughs> like, he doesn't even really talk like that. You meet him. But um, it was just crazy because uh, water, yeah, that's pretty important, duh, in the desert. And when you're really, really thirsty, water could come in handy. Now, did you hear what Samson did? Did you hear it as we went through there? He killed a thousand men with a donkey's jawbone. That's crazy. That's crazy. But even in great victory, Samson realized that his own strength could not bring full satisfaction. He was limited. He needed more than himself. Now, his strength was incredible, and yet he could die on top of the rock from thirst. Now, look at verse 19. But God clave and hollow place that was in the jaw, and there came water thereout, and when he had drunk, his spirit came again, and he revived. Wherefore, he called the name thereof in Hakore, which is in Lehi, unto this day. God made water to flow from a jawbone. God revived the broken, sinful champion. And Samson knew what we all better figure out. In our strength, we're limited. We might be able to achieve victories because of God's blessings, but there is a part of us that can never be fulfilled without God's Spirit. We said last Sunday that the blessings of God and the God of blessings are not the same thing. Samson <clears throat> needed the refreshment of God's Spirit in his life. You know, there are people all around us, and some of us here today, who are trying to climb to the next spot in life, trying to achieve the next thing, trying to find contentment somewhere. But temporal victories don't satisfy eternal desire. And human strength is incredibly vulnerable. Take a football player who is incredibly fast and incredibly strong. Hit him on the side of the knee with 15 pounds of pressure and he'll be out for the season. See, our strength is so subtle. We, we could get to feeling so strong and yet the enemy as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. The ones most vulnerable to the enemy are those deceived into thinking that their own strength is going to be enough. And Samson would have died on top if God had not intervened. I'm fascinated for some reason by the history of Mount Everest. And I doubt that I'll ever go there or 
even go to base camp because I would probably die just climbing to base camp. But I'm fascinated by the history of it, what makes people want to go there, what drives them to the top. And did you know that more people have died on Mount Everest after summiting than at any other point on the mountain? Because they make it to the top and they think, I've achieved it. I made it to the top of the world. And they sit up there for 10 or 12 minutes and take a photo. And on the way back down, they die. And when we rely on our own victories, we get to the top and we think everything's good. And that's when the enemy strikes. And I'm telling you, it can get thirsty up on top. And Samson experienced this. God intervened in his behalf. But let's go now to chapter 16. And let's deal with Delilah. Hey there, Delilah. And let's talk, number four, presuming upon God's grace. Presuming upon God's grace. Chapter 16, Samson falls for this woman named Delilah. Delilah, on the down low, is promised 1,100 pieces of silver if she can find the secret to his strength. And so she started in on him right away. Hey, big boy, what makes you so strong? And and Samson toyed with her. He said, if they tie me up with seven green vines, I'll be just like any other man. And she tried it. And she said, the Philistines be a pawnee. And he just broke through. It didn't work. And she cried and cried, Samson, you lied to me. And the green vines don't give you your real strength. Uh, Come on, tell me for real what it is. And, And Samson said, it's new ropes. That's what it is. If they tie me up with new ropes. And of course, that wasn't it either. And Delilah started in on him again. Now, now Samson obviously knew that there was a plot against him. But he figured he could handle it. And she said, hey, big boy, quit lying to me. Tell me where your strength comes from. And he said, look, if you weave the seven locks of my hair together, I'll lose my strength. And notice that he's getting closer to telling the enemy the truth. But the dreadlock move didn't work either. And Delilah started really putting it on him. She used the L word. How can you say you love me when you won't tell me the truth? I mean, I truly love you. I'm I'm not just trying to get the info to get 1,100 pieces of silver. I just want to know. And she says, please tell me. Come on, please tell me. And she kept it up day after day after day. And finally, he told her the truth. And she knew it was the truth. And she had a barber come right away while he's asleep, cut all of his hair off. The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he woke up ready to play the game again, thinking, I'll go out as at other times before and shake myself. See, Samson assumed that he could repeatedly trample on God's amazing kindness to him. And he became blind to God's gifts. He forgot that his strength didn't really belong to him. The Bible says he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. And you can live a fake Christianity in your own strength for quite a while, but eventually the truth will come out. 
You can fool a lot of people for a long time, but payday is coming. And the Philistines took him, and they put out his eyes, and they threw him in a prison house. And it's such a sad story. And it's been replayed again and again and again over the centuries. Because children of God begin to live in their own strength instead of God's. And they think, I want it, I deserve it, I can handle it. And they play with sin, and they handle destruction, not realizing how far off the path they've gone, not realizing how much it will cost, not realizing how long they'll be out of God's will. And if we don't come before God every day and choose his strength, we'll be living in our own very limited power. Paul told the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 6, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You know, if we don't live in the power of his might, the big fall's coming. Let's get to today's big truth as we finish up. No one but Jesus has kept all the rules. Nobody. Even the best person in this room is a sinner. The best of men are still men at their best. James 2.10 says that whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. And we're all broken. We're all guilty. We're all helpless without God's intervention. Maybe you've tried to break a habit in your own strength. Or you've tried to turn over a new leaf. Or you tried to be a better father. Or whatever it is. And your motives might be wonderful. But your strength is not enough. Without him, we can do nothing. Today's faith challenge. Will you live under the illusion of your own strength or rest in God's might? You know, Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Until we quit pretending that we're strong enough, Jesus can't really help us. The Apostle Paul really wanted Jesus to work in his behalf. And he asked God three specific times to take away his thorn in the flesh, is what he called it. And to give him healing. And Jesus replied, it's such a beautiful passage in 2 Corinthians 12. Jesus replied, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. And folks, his strength begins when we will admit where ours ends. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. And sometimes it takes huge struggles for us to come to the point where Jesus is all we need. Samson didn't really figure it out until after he'd ruined his life. You know what's amazing about God's grace? Even when you think there's no way God could reach down to help us, he does it again. He does it again. And again, and when we are weak, he's strong. 
1998. Amy and I had been married for four years, and and uh, we hadn't been able to have kids, and so we went to a fertility doctor, and and he said it cost thousands and thousands to even try, and there's no guarantee of success. Uh, you probably aren't going to be able to have kids, and so we went to a, a class in Boise at Health and Welfare for adoption, and and the first night of the class, they told us, if you're expecting to get a baby under two years old uh, with blonde hair and blue eyes, you might as well leave the class now because that just doesn't happen. And so we went to the class, and we're expecting, we signed all this paperwork, take child with heart defect and child with this and that, would you take this child? And, and we were kind of, whoa, this is big. And we had just come to a church plant, and uh, I was going some weekends to other churches to try to preach and raise some support. And I was about to go to uh, Oak Harbor, Washington, and the day before I went, health and welfare called and said, uh, we'd like you to consider an 18-month-old little boy. He has blonde hair and blue eyes. And, uh, and would you be willing to visit him? And so uh, I stayed at the Seattle airport all night so I wouldn't miss my flight and flew out at 6 a.m. Amy picked me up from the airport. We went to Country Kettle and had breakfast, and we went to visit Cody. <clears throat> and uh, his adoption was finalized incredibly fast, and, and we just, uh, just had such a great time with him. And, we lived in a little house, and every night Amy would read him uh, a special story about adoption. Uh, she would say, not flesh of my flesh or bone of my bone, but still miraculously my own. Uh, never forget for one single minute, you didn't grow under my heart, but in it. I still remember that. And she read it to him every night because she wanted him to know how much we loved him. And uh, a couple years later, you know, we considered maybe should we do it again? I mean, lightning doesn't strike in the same place twice. How could we get a guy like this? And so we decided, we called him and said, you know, we'd be willing to go back on the list and in February of 2001, they called us and said, there's a little boy that's 24 months, just turned two, and he's been in six different foster homes since he was taken as an infant. And would you like to meet him? And we walked in the room, and he had the longest eyelashes. <clears throat> and he was the cutest kid. And he walked up and said, I'm Dawson. And, um, and so we took him home, and his adoption took a long time, a lot of complications. And in fact, his adoption wasn't final, and they called us on Labor Day of 2001. And they said, uh, we need an emergency decision. A birth sibling of your foster child has been taken into emergency care. A little girl, eight months old lived most of her life in a car seat.
And that's the day Autumn came home. And her adoption took a really long time. And we thought, boy, this, we got to be done. This can't go anymore. But two years later, they called us again and said, a birth sibling of your two kids, who are now your kids, because everything was finalized, has been taken into care, and he's 28 months old. Will you take him? We said, we'll take him. And he lived with us for two and a half years. And a judge decided to take him back. And our boys were nine and seven. They didn't understand. It was so hard. It's the summer we came to Centennial. <clears throat> and we got over here and we had three kids and had some healing and yeah, things were good. And yeah, then uh, many years after them, it was uh, actually the late spring of 2012. And yeah, we were getting pretty old. And I mean, I, <laughs> I was turning 40 that year. <clears throat> and, uh, and so... Amy said, I think we should consider being foster parents to help kids who are in need. And so I said, well, we, I don't mind if we sign up to see what it is or whatever. So we went to a class down at the Y. We didn't tell anybody. Two months later, my wife came home from a trip, and she said, sit down. <laughs> I said, well, what do you mean, sit down? She said, sit down. We've been married for 18 years. She said, I'm pregnant. I said, no, you're not. You, I said, you've said that like 500 times before. You can't get pregnant. And she said, I am pregnant. I just took a test. Sophie, come here. Eighteen years. <clears throat> and here she is. Our little miracle. Fire breathing <laughs> miracle. Redheaded beastly miracle. <laughs> and um, we thought we were totally done with everything and um Sophie's been growing, she just turned five and she's in K-4, and she's learning to read, and um, Cody is married to Michaela. Dawson's off to college. Autumn just turned 17. The last week of March, health and welfare called Amy. And she texted me and said, you need to call me right away. So I thought maybe something was wrong with one of the kids. And uh, she said, we've got to make a decision on something. They just called me. A birth sibling of Dawson and Autumn has been taken into care. Two-month-old little boy with a broken arm overdosed on methamphetamines. And so we called their kids and said, what do you want us to do? <laughs> we don't know what to do. We're not strong enough. 
we don't have the capability for this. Now I'm really old. Remember when I was old? <laughs> She's five. I was old when she was born. And so we said, the Dawson and Autumn were adamant. We have to protect him and help him. And, and so little Titus was placed with his last Monday as a foster child. And we don't know what's going to happen. We have no idea. But we know this. God's grace is sufficient. And in your weakest moment, on your hardest day, when you don't understand, when you can't figure out how to do it, his grace is sufficient. If you've fallen flat on your face, if you've failed, if you've messed everything up, his grace is sufficient. Thank you, Soph. Good job. <clears throat> I love what it says in Judges 16, 22. How be it, the hair of his head began to grow again. You know, God's grace, even when it seems like there are no good options, his grace is still there. Even when it seemed like Samson was a useless piece of garbage, God wasn't done. And you may have totally messed up everything. I'll tell you this, God still loves you. Jesus died for you, and his grace is sufficient for you. The lords of the Philistines held the giant festival for their false god Dagon. Now they had Samson brought out so they could make fun of him. And Samson asked the little boy to lead him to the pillars of the building. There were thousands of people present. And as we close, I want you to look at what he prayed to God. Judges 16, 28. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me. I pray thee and strengthen me. I pray thee only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged the Philistines for my two eyes. And he said, God, I know I don't deserve it. But please remember me. God, I don't have any strength on my own. Please strengthen me. And as we close this morning, as I pray, no matter where you're at in your life, what you've been through, how many mistakes you've made, how many people you've hurt, how much guilt you have, how many debts that you owe to people that you can never pay for, God loves you. And grace continues to be available for you if you'll just come to him. God was waiting for Samson to cry out. Samson said, God, remember me. Remember me. I need you just this once. And God has a plan for you. Let's pray together. God.